Welcome to After Hours with me, Rick Hogan. This first hour is devoted to my new friend, John Robert Wiltgrunt, who I should have known. We should we crossed paths, i got to believe, a million different Many times. Many times. A million different times, but yeah. in, those, in those days I was drinking heavily, so I probably <laughs> missed it. He has written uh, a book, uh, his memoir, the first, I think, of what will be a series of memoirs, just given the last 15 minutes of conversation mm-hmm. I've had with him. It is titled The Candy in My Pocket, The Wild and Crazy Life of a Type 1 Diabetic. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, oh, man, I don't want to hear any sad stories. The thing about this this book, uh, John, is, yes, you are a type 1 diabetic. Yes, you have had some serious, serious, serious health problems over which you have triumphed. But this is a book about enjoying life i mean if i had to to say in one sentence it's about enjoying life you've had a a charmed i would say diabetes or no you've had a charmed life do you agree a hundred percent i have tried to make the most out of every day of my life i've tried to not focus on the hazards that i've encountered as a result of being a type 1 diabetic and instead make plans for having even more fun yeah so i you know started at a young age as you know you were eight years old when when you got the diagnosis yes yes yes. and at that time my parents were told that i would not live to see 40 and that did they tell you that no years certainly didn't didn't tell you at eight yeah right they're not going to tell me but a couple years later it was like breakfast room table talk between my aunt Mm -hmm. and my mother and they were like speaking in a theater hushed whisper that i could still hear sitting at the table and i thought wow if i'm not gonna make it to 40 i'd better go out there and do everything that i want to do without regard to what i shouldn't be doing yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to read a little bit from this introduction. You, uh, <laughs> I must say, you you have lived so far, and I, I guess ongoing life to the very fullest. You write in the book, in the introduction to uh, the candy in my pocket. We'll explain what that means shortly. Uh, <laughs> I felt there could be a black cloud in my future when Sid Caesar told me. If you don't have tragedy, you don't have comedy. I'm trying to imitate Sid Caesar. (laughs) Crying and laughter are the same thing, but you can never laugh too hard. Then you write a paragraph later that you wrote this book to help people of all beliefs and backgrounds remain optimistic in the worst of times, no matter what personal or professional challenges you're dealing with. That also seems to be the way you've led your life. You, You have led, tried to be, I think an example to other people that you met in the course of your incredibly checkered but successful life. Yeah? I don't know that at the time that I was thinking that I was Mm -hmm. being the example. I think that perhaps I was an example, but, but that wasn't what was going on in my own head. My own head was like, you know, let's party on, you know. Sure. I sure. want to have a good time. I don't want so to. Zorin's is open till 4 a.m. Yeah, let's go party. Well, for <laughs> instance, there was a time when Stephen and I were going to go to Paris the next morning. And during the middle of the night, I passed out because I had this low blood sugar episode. And it was really bad, mm-hmm. really low. 
And he's like, you know, we don't have to go. And I'm like, you know what? I can feel shitty on the plane. I can feel shitty in Paris. We're going, you know? And that that that's kind of how I've lived. I, I, I mean, even when I didn't feel the best, it was yeah. still like, party on, Garth. Uh, when you got that diagnosis at eight, uh, I am assuming that at the time, that would be some 50-some years ago. You're that, being nice. Well, I'm trying. Uh, <laughs> that there have been incredible advances in the care of diabetes. Oh, over, my God. But from then till today, yeah. the advances are tremendous. I mean, we still have not found a cure. And when I was in my early 30s, I actually sat on the board of the Chicago chapter for the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. And at that time, we kept telling people, we were so close to a cure, give us more money. Yeah, I, sure. You know, and my job was vice president of fundraising. So when we didn't find that cure, it kind of made me look bad, you know. But, but um, yes, th- it, it, it's a totally different ballgame today. It's yeah. one that people don't have to worry the way that our parents worried when people were diagnosed at my age my parents were given a death sentence for me and that is not what's happening today which is awesome they in this you talk about how your mother at first you're very very uh moving about uh your mother thought you had the flu right correct and then she learned you had something worse than the flu. Yes. How did she break the news to you? Well, there was no breaking the news to me. And we were in the doctor's office because mm-hmm. I had lost like 25 pounds as an eight-year-old. Wow. And so we went from the we went immediately from the doctor's office to the hospital. Mm. The, he, the doctor said, do not skip go. Do not collect $200. Get yourself to Holy Family Hospital. And I'll see John there. Mm. And that's that. That's what happened. There was no time to to even think about what we were doing. We just well, rushed off. You write in the book. Uh, you, it's very interesting. You say, "Why me?" I continually wondered. I was only eight years old and already hated my life. We will continue this conversation, and we will uh, get into the part where. You don't hate your life so much, but you're getting some very lucky breaks and you're leaving high school and working in a paint store. And from there, you become this internationally known designer, traveling the world, meeting everybody. We will be back with John Robert Wiltgun. The Candy in My Pocket is the name of the book. The life story is pretty amazing. Welcome back. Uh, my guest, John Robert uh, Wilkin, and I are talking about his book, The Candy in My Pocket, about his diagnosis with uh, diabetes when he was eight years old and how he wrote. He writes in the book, Why Me? I continually wondered. I was only eight years old and already hated my life. But you pretty quickly found a very interesting life. Did you drop out of high school in Arlington Heights? No, I graduated in three years. Okay. I had enough credits because I was taking independent studies, and I had no free free times in, during the course of the day. Yeah. I, my, my schedule was booked with classes. What were you thinking of doing? Did you have any notion? I had no idea. 
nothing no no idea at all were you drawn to any particular class like art class for instance i was in art class i was in theater class i was in creative writing class Plus all the, you know, yeah, math, chemistry science, and math. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Oh, all that boring stuff um, you have to do. Shop. Yeah, shop. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I did shop when I was in high school, um, too. So, but a, a lot of it focused on the creative side of the brain, I will yeah, say. Yeah, And um, I was lucky that our school had... All those different types of classes. Sure, it was a big high school, aren't it? Was, it yeah. was a big high school. Um, and and we were fortunate that there was funding for those kinds of sure uh, yeah, you know additional courses. It wasn't just the basics exactly. Um, so well, I really enjoyed my time there. Although I will say that a lot of the students there were jealous of me because by the time I was in my sophomore year and I had a car. Yeah. My first car was a Cadillac uh, Seville four-door <laughs> like convertible, a mini, like white a leather interior. Like something out of red. the Sopranos, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it had fins in the back. Wow. It was the most awesome car. Your parents gave you the car? No. I bought it. You bought it? I, I was Were 15 you? years old. I rode my bike to this little old lady's house who only drove it to church on Sundays. I, I didn't even have a driver's license yet. I put my bicycle in the trunk of the car and drove off. <laughs> when did you start working? Your your main job in this era of your life, John, was working. You became the manager of a paint store. Well, I was the manager of the paint store when I had already graduated from high school. Okay. Um, prior to that time, I was working part-time in a different paint store, and stocking shelves and mixing paint colors and selling wallpaper and a little bit of everything. Unloading the truck when the truck came with, you know, 50,000 gallons of paint. Did you have any interest in going to college? Yeah. Okay. I know you did go to school, but it wasn't right. it was a conventional well, well, okay. so university. I had an interest in going to school. My ma said... Become an accountant because you can always get a job as an accountant. Okay. So I, I went to Harper mom. for a yeah. semester and mm-hmm. I took some accounting classes and I thought there is no I'll leave out the expletive. Okay. There's no way I'm gonna study accounting. I, I mean I was just like, you know, that's not for me. And um Glidden Paint, by the time I did become manager and I was done with high school paid for my education yeah and so i decided i was gonna try my hand at design i was busy for years already picking up paint and wallpaper for yeah that's, people that i mean that's to the store. Sort of interesting so that was kind of the tray. transition yeah from point a to point b or c or whatever it was did you meet at the store did you meet were there designers coming in no 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 I, I was in Arlington Heights. I understand that. <laughs> the, Nothing the, against Arlington Heights. Yes. I'm not, not. I'm not knocking <laughs> Arlington know. Heights. It was. I will say it was a great place to grow up as a kid. Mm-hmm. We had a great childhood. We spent a lot. We had our yard was like an acre, and we spent a lot of time outside in the back, doing, you know, having having to think up things to do to have fun as yeah. opposed to sitting me, in front of a television TV or watch playing a video game. right playing yeah. i have never played a video game in my life keep it that way seriously <laughs> <laughs> keep it that way All right, what what drew you into the design world 
Well, as I say, I mean, having sold paint and wallpaper, that was kind of like it just led me right into it because I liked that part of the job. Yeah. Once I became manager and I was accounting for sales and accounting for the cost of employees and things like that, it wasn't as much fun. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. going to school at nighttime, I started with night school. Where? Two nights a week at Ray Vogue College of Design, mm-hmm. which is where Ralph Lauren is today. Yep. It was a six story building. Charmette's Russian Charmette's downstairs. Charmette's floor. Russian. And we went there. Some of the greatest milkshakes class. ever. Right. How did you like design? How did you take to design school? I loved it. Why? Because I thought that I had found a way to use my creativity Mm -hmm. and make money. Yeah. You know, I had my friend Liana got a four-year scholarship, an art scholarship, and she was an amazing artist. But it's like, what do you do with that once you get that degree? It's it's tough. It's much tougher to make a living as an artist. Artist. As a creative visual artist, it's very hard. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's... as opposed to what I did, it was easier to market what I did to people. Yeah, and um, and I was good at marketing. So, well, you're also a charming guy, and you, you should have seen me when I was younger. That's what I'm saying, my friend. <laughs> and because you wound up starting a business when you were under 21. Talk yes. about that for a while. You met someone who well, mentored you. Is that fair to say, Jan? She, oh, my God. She was like my... Um, oh, I don't even know how to describe her. Svengali. <laughs> okay, I wasn't going to use that word. Okay. Um, she, she was like the most beautiful creature I had ever seen on the planet. Where'd you meet her? At school. Yeah. In class. And she sat on one side of the room, and I sat on the other. And we didn't have assigned seats, but I didn't want to make it obvious in the next class time, go sit right next to her. So I slowly moved my chair around (laughs) the room. It was the first first classroom stalking adventure. And um, we became really good friends. Yep. And for a while... She would take me to places that I would never have been to otherwise. Huckle, you know, to Huckleberries, which was to Huckleberries, a yes, club. but before Huckleberries, Serenes, yeah, and Faces, mm-hmm. and she was instrumental in helping me when I was 18 years old get my own membership to Faces. Wow! Because I already yeah. had my own stationery for a business, and so I just wrote a letter on. On Saying, my, I would my like to become a member. And I had references in addition to her. What was your business? The Glidden Paint Store business? Well, no, no, I was I was kind of doing houses on the side while I was working for Glidden. <laughs> Good God. So you were working for Glidden and you had already sort of... Dis- I already knew that I wasn't going to be there forever. <clears throat> you didn't want a business card that said manager Glidden's Paint. I had one of those, but I didn't pass that one out. Yeah. Except I told that story when we were... At a party uh, in some party room on top of a building, like a 200 East Delaware or whatever, uh-huh. you know, in those days when those buildings were new. And um, I had, I, I mean, she was older than me. Mm-hmm. My, she, she was married. She was separated. Sep- okay, let's. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, she was separated. That, yeah. um, but, but my mother and my father 
both referred to her as Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> that, ladies and gentlemen, from the movie The Graduate. Uh, <clears throat> you decided to start a firm with we, with we, this woman and her uh, soon-to-be-separated or whatever he was. Yes. Well, it, we started, Rhonda and I started the business first. She had 50%, I had 50% of the business, and we were slowly growing this business. Um, and then we, we, she thought, she suggested that we sell, we each sell a bit of our business to her former husband, mm-hmm. former keyword, mm-hmm. and that way he might be more instrumental in helping us get work. But in that way, uh-huh. shortly after that, that you got involved in a really, really, I think, unfair and wicked lawsuit, did you not? Well, it was n- not right away. It was like 18 months later. Yeah, but you were still under 21. That, that's yeah. a fascinating thing to me. I was all 20 at when the time. Were, yeah. He found out that she and I were kind of having this relationship outside of work. Mm-hmm. And he was livid. And and he had called the office. My secretary answered the phone. And he put me, she put me on. And he used some expletives and then hung up. Well, then 10 minutes later, he's in our office. Mm. My secretary grabs her fur coat and runs out the door. Fur coat that Victor Galatas bought her. <laughs> I had to throw that in. And she runs down the hall, and I never see her again. That's and where we will leave this story for the moment when we take a news break. Uh, it is fat, and we're never going to get to we, we, we'll We'll probably get to uh, John when he's uh, like age 25, and then we'll have to come back and be on again. I want to talk about all the people we know in common, and uh, many of whom we don't know in common, because you. You did the interior design work for, for Jerry Krause, the general manager of the Bulls. Yep. Uh, among that was a hoot. Many people, Steve Harvey, there are a number of others. You'll hear those stories when we come back after the news. Welcome back. I am still sitting here uh, wonderfully engagingly with John uh, Robert Wilkin, the author of The Candy in My Pocket, The Wild and Crazy Life of a type 1 diabetic you can get this book anywhere i mean in bookstores online anywhere we're talking about <laughs> we got him up to the age of 21 he's already had an amazing life he's gone from arlington heights to chicago he is designing all sorts of things he has become in the intervening years one of the most acclaimed designers uh in uh, in the architectural world, that's the way I'm going to frame it because I think that's... I like that. Well, because many people think, you know, interior. The phrase "interior decorator" has always bugged me because it is not about decorating; it is about creating. I think an environment is that the way you always thought of. Well, I would say that an interior decorator is someone that paints houses and hangs wallpaper. Gotcha. Exactly. And And, that's not what 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 my industry does is totally different from that. Sure, sure. Although we may be on site to approve that paint color and to say, you know, add a little bit more neutral tone or add a little bit more red oxide or do something to kill the green in that paint color. But... 
but we're not painting the house. You're a remarkably engaging person, just in my limited experience here. That's part of it, too. You are collaborating with clients. It is not as if you are selling them a can of paint. It's a, do you not think of it, and I get this from your book, it's it's a collaborative venture when you're when you're decorating. Uh, let Jerry Krause, for instance. Okay. Jerry Krause calls you on the phone and says, "Hey, I know you can't play for the Bulls, but could you decorate my house?" Is that basically the way it goes? That's the very short version. <laughs> when Jerry Krause called my office, I had this a person who answered the phone, mm-hmm. and she says to me, "Jerry Krause is on the phone. Jerry Krause is on the phone." And I'm like, well, who's that? You're <laughs> not a basketball. I mean, I, I didn't have a clue. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm like, she's like, he is the general manager of the Chicago Bulls. I'm like, is that the baseball team? <laughs> I mean, really, I was so. Well, first of all, I spent my whole life in the art world. Yeah, sure. And and then I went to work. And when you open your own business, you're working seven days a week. You're working till oh, it's 10 consuming, o'clock at night. Of course. It, I mean, it is totally all consuming. Yeah. So, so, so she, you know, I finally get it. It's the Chicago Bulls. They play basketball and Jerry Krauss is the general manager. So I pick up the phone. I talk to him and he's like, well, I got your name from so and so and we're building a house in Hibernia. And would you be interested in working with us? I'm thinking, would I be interested? Of course. And and so I, at the time, they were living in Skokie in a particularly modest house. Mm-hmm. It was nothing flashy by any means. Sure. Um, nor was the house that I did for them in Hibernia. But, but the... It, Where's Hibernia? Hibernia is a subdivision in Highland Park. Oh, okay. Built by Red Seal Homes. Okay. Um, but anyways... The very first pro basketball game I'd ever been to in my life was with Jerry Krause. And it was in the old stadium. Love the old stadium. his seats were right over where the team came out. Yes, of course. So that's where we sat. And I don't know anything about the game. So it didn't matter who got a basket. I was cheering. And Jerry is glaring at me. <laughs> and what is wrong with you? Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he didn't say that. He, of course, he would not. I will. Say, he had quite a glare, though. He did. But you know what? He was the kindest man, one of the kindest men I've ever worked with. Mm. And Steve and I gave all kinds of parties. He and Thelma came. I mean, he, he was just a real down-to-earth guy. But for all the years that I was working with them. After when the when the new stadium opened, I got four tickets to the game. Wow! I, we had dinner in the governor's room, and we sat in an owner skybox. You have no idea how popular I was during those oh, years. Oh, I can only you know, imagine. Oh, John, can, what uh, are you doing tonight? Yeah. You, you know the phone calls I would get. Oh, and and I tried are you using to, your tickets, John? <laughs> I mean, I tried to. Evenly invite different people to sure, come. You, sure, you, you know. Um, was he hard? Was he easy to deal with or hard to deal with? He and his he wife. Was, well, his wife was in control of everything. Okay, Thelma, okay. Wow. He managed the team. She managed the, the household. So gotcha. it was whatever she liked, he was good with. Except 
for where the TV went in the great room yeah. because Jerry's watching basketball home and where the tv went there was this entire massive built-in wall where autographed basketballs went from winning tournament games and the rings were kept sure 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 blah 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 that's part of the decor right it has to be right because that's his life right and it was a two-story room you know the ceilings were 20 feet tall which was interesting because neither one of them was that very tall. tall sure, you know, but, sure. Um, oh, how interesting. Oh, my God. They, they were awesome. And they became really good friends of ours. Thelma went to New York with us. She went to Venice with us. I mean, we traveled and had a good time. Yeah. You've done um, a lot of... One of the other uh, threads in, uh, in John Roberts' book, The Candy in My Pocket, is is of course his uh, struggles with diabetes but also his his going to the oscars and going to various places around the world and meeting all sorts of people could you talk for a couple of minutes about you were in nigeria i counted something in the neighborhood of oh i don't know 20 times 12 it, visits it, well, 12 it, visits yeah, 12 12 visits 12. i had a client that we designed a home for here uh, it was a raw space. It mm. had to be totally built out. Wow. We had to prepare all the architectural drawings. We had to get the permit. We had to get the workmen. We had to get the furniture, the artwork, the electronics, everything. Because and the electricity. He lived in Nigeria. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I had met with them three times with the wife once. Uh. They loved all the selections. Although she made some changes, she had to. But that's, put that's relatively common. And, and, yeah, yeah. You well, must. You actually must like that because that's where the collaborative nature of the business comes in. I love it. Yeah. I had no idea that I was even going sure. to meet her, let sure. alone let her make some selections. So that was awesome. We did that job, that entire job, in six months' time. Wow! And when my client came back to Chicago, it was my job to give him the first tour of it. He had not seen yeah. anything. And when he was, when we were done with our tour, he looks at me and he says, "I want to build a new house in Lagos." I'm like, "Where's that?" He's like, "Nigeria, Africa." <clears throat> He's like, "I'll send you the plans that the architect that we thought was going to do the job has drawn up." He says, "I'm sure you can do much better." Wow! And you know, it was a forty thousand square foot estate. There was room for 25 bodyguards, sleeping berths for 25 bodyguards. Yeah, I'll bet. The security was intense. We hired an Israeli security firm to to help us uh, with some of the details be that we secu- needed to know be about. Be secure, yeah. Um, bulletproof glass. Oh. When I took the drawings to the city for the review and approval of my drawings, the building department was headed by a woman. Which I thought, I mean, I'm not discrediting women in any way. I think yeah. women are brilliant. But, you know, we're in Africa. Right. And But they are very civilized, I will say, in Nigeria. So anyways, she looks at my drawing. She loved everything. And I said, well, and it's going to have bulletproof glass. And she looks at me and she goes, well, for what kind of bullets? Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. I mean, I didn't have a clue. You know, I'm like, you have to ask the Israelis that. I don't know. Wow. Um, it's a great story in the book. There are so many stories in here. We're not going to get the Oscars. We didn't talk about how 
you know, take a break, but how, you know, you were basically blind for four years because of diabetes. It's, it's a remarkable story, John. Uh, remarkable. Uh, we will continue on after uh, a short break. Welcome back. Uh, I've been having a ball with uh, John Robert Wilkin here talking about his book, The Candy in My Pocket, and about his uh, struggles uh, with and triumphs over diabetes. You've had uh, all manner of physical problems. You have lost part of a leg to this uh, horrible disease that so many people have. I mean, it is just, is it more widespread now? Than it or more easily diagnosed or or well, there are still a, a great number of people around the world that have not been diagnosed yeah. that have it, but there are five hundred and thirty seven million diagnosed cases wow. of this disease uh, on the planet. Do you, John? You obviously are grateful for the kind of life and career that you've had how do you express that do you express that gratitude at all or just try to live Um, again to the fullest no i try to express that gratitude i you you know of all the people that needs to hear that gratitude the most or well there are two there's my mother Mm -hmm. who gave me her kidney yep and right um, we forgot the kidney transplant yeah right which is now 86 years old in me the kidney and still working and they did not think that was possible at all No, they said 12 to 15 years and then you'd need another one wow i'm still i don't even like to talk about it yeah don't Um, don't then so i i tried to tell her all the time how grateful i am and i tried to express how grateful i am by doing extraordinary things with her yeah good and, for you you know i've i've taken her to the academy awards we've gone to meet the pope um we've done some, well, she's a devout catholic yes she's, she is a devout catholic yeah she is although i will say <laughs> in the tenure of her catholicism she has changed her views on certain things i when I, when she first found out that I was gay, mm-hmm. it she wasn't very happy. Let's just put it that way. Because uh, you were you were outed. Yes, you did I not. Was, you, right. you did not come out to her. That is, and well, those were those that's were the how days. The story goes. Those were the days. You write something in here. I, I uh, you were married and have been for a couple of years to Stephen, this charming guy who didn't want to come on the radio, but he's sitting here. Very supportive. You write in in your book, since retiring at 57, I am busier than ever. Stephen and I got married. One Sunday after she came home from church, he asked Mom, a devout Catholic, if it was all right with her. She started to cry. That's what mothers do. I am lucky Mom got over the whole gay thing years ago because her tears were tears of joy. That's really a nice sentiment, and it's nicely put in here too and Stephen believes you write later in that chapter uh Stephen believes positive energy and prayer help us improve physically and mentally he organized a prayer group of about 40 people who texted each other at 11 a.m and 6 p.m every day this is when you got aside from everything else uh john aside from the the uh uh troubles with uh diabetes you also got covid and that 
uh, scared you. It but scared I, a lot of people because yeah. no one knew anything about it at I know. the time that you had it and I had it. I know. I so. said, well, what can you give me? They said, well, here's some water. I go, wait, that's not going to help me. The doctors weren't even coming into our rooms at that I time. I, I mean, they would I plug know. up on the phone and say, how are you I feeling? I know. I I'm know. Like, what? I want to read something that uh, Holly Hunt, who is a famous, famous designer here, had to say about your book. Uh, Cynthia Rowley is pretty famous, too. She said something about it, but, <laughs> but I like Holly. John has a talent for storytelling and writing as well as for design. But the most important part of this memoir is his amazing energy and determination to li- live hurdles of the debilitating disease type 1 diabetes. He enjoys a full life gathering fabulous, famous, and adventurous friends, and he gives back to many far more than he takes. He never looks back, always forward, choosing to be happy and fully engaged while hiding his scars and physical damaged parts with Versace. Uh, that's a great quote. Right. You, you, in, right, how difficult, uh, John, was it to write this book? And what what compelled you to do it? Was it saying, well, I'm going to cut back on my design work and, and I need something to do? No, I retired after being really 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 sick in intensive care for 20 days mm-hmm. with four different kinds of pneumonia um while i was at rush because northwestern only had room in the morgue and i didn't feel like going there <laughs> good choice <laughs> um like five other patients on the floor died from similar uh diagnoses to what yeah. i had and so the fact that I survived that was a blessing. Yeah, no kidding. And I, and I just thought that maybe my time is up. I mean, I couldn't keep mm. going in and out of the hospital and trying to run a business. Yeah, sure. And so Stephen and I discussed it, and we just thought, you know, now is the time for me to pursue other avenues and so one of the other avenues of course was writing the book having never written a book before it it took an awfully long time i mean the first thing i did was went through six thousand pages of medical records and organized those and then i went through all of the publicity that had been written about me and kind of wove that in between the medical records and when all of that was done, my outline for the book was 90 pages. Oh, good Lord. Good Lord. <laughs> when that was done, then it was time to start actually writing. One of the things that characterizes the book, though, is it's you, know, you, you do have uh, some names not mentioned in the book. But, but it's also a very, I think, it's a very honest uh, book. And it's sometimes, I think, and very introspective, too. And to be honestly introspective, I have always found to be a very tough task. I would agree. It, it's very challenging. It's like, oh, God, do I want people to know that? Do I Exactly. And then I thought, you know what? In order for, to interest them, I have to tell them everything. I can't hide it. I can't, I can't hide my emotions. I can't hide my private life. I, can't, I have to put it all out there, which yeah. is what I've done here, although I did cut. <laughs> we got tens of thousands of words. Tens of uh, thousands of words, yes, which is why I wrote at the very end, to be continued. To be continued, uh, because you've got some of those words sitting around somewhere. You also write in the book, I live as if there was a diabetic me 
and the unreal me, perhaps a condition of split personalities. I much prefer my unreal life still do to this day. Uh, it is pretty unreal, John. I got to tell you. I mean, I just, that we have we have not told dozens of stories in here about what it's like to work for Steve Harvey. And you're also very, very. You mentioned some of your clients, but you're also very private with your clients because that's that's also the kind of business you were in. There was a lot that I would not disclose sure. to other people. I, I wasn't that kind of designer when there was an opportunity for publicity and exposure of course i went for it provided it was not going to reveal my clients number exactly. one exactly and it was not going to offend them even if i didn't reveal their name um so so it was a challenge to negotiate all yeah. of those different yeah. ways of of revealing the story without revealing too much, and yet and still telling everything. Even though there is, as he promises at the end of the book, uh, to be continued, another book awaiting. You can get the candy in my pocket, the wild and crazy life. I, it could use another adjective. It could be the wild and crazy and inspiring life of a type 1 diabetic. The candy in my pocket. It's John Robert Wilkin. The last name is spelled W-I-L-T-G-E-N. Amy DeBat, thanks for the introduction. She, too, is here. Her father is coming on next. Uh, John, it's really a pleasure to meet you. Oh, my God. Thank and it was you a so real, much for it having was a real, today. It was it was a pleasure great. to read this book. It's a fascinating story. It, it, it was very evocative for me because I, <laughs> I knew many of these places and many of these people and getting an award from Essie Cups in it. And there's so much, so much in here. So uh, find it, ladies and gentlemen. Not hard to find. You know how to do that. John Robert Wilkin, W-I-L-T-G-E-N, a proud son of Arlington Heights. <laughs>